Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I don't know about that. I think it's just every team's constructing their roster differently. And I think every GM, uh, you know, you have to, you know, you have to be forward thinking. You have to think ahead in the future. And I think there's a lot of decisions that can can affect that. And it, they might not be popular decisions or decisions that everyone understands right now. But I think there's there's things that go on behind the scenes that uh, nobody nobody knows. Interesting cut you chose there, Mr. Anderson. Sean Anderson, our producer, uh, uh, giving us a little bit of intrigue from Ryan Pace. Things going on behind the scenes that nobody knows. Um, I assume he is talking about the efforts to restructure contracts uh, and to get players to look at the bigger picture along with him as to how they're going to compete and extend their careers here in Chicago. The salary cap is well known to some, a complete riddle to others but completely understood by few. And so we decided to go out and get one of the top experts out there. Brad Spielberger is the salary cap expert at Pro Football Focus and good enough to join us. Brad, we have not met before, uh, but I do follow your work and appreciate you taking time out for us and uh, uh, really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Uh, Nice to meet you via the airwaves. And yeah, of course. So, Brad, uh, let, let's clear up the – I don't want to say the most confusion. And by the way, Arthur Arkish on the line with us. Uh, um, but, Brad, yeah, Brad. I, um, you know, <laughs> there, I don't think there's a mystery about where the Bears are at cap-wise, but depending on where you look, you do tend to get different numbers. So from, from your view right now, uh, before they franchise Allen Robinson, which we assume is going to happen, now that they've let Buster Screen walk – where are the Bears against the cap right now? Yeah, so the, the fluctuation may also just be because we still don't even know what the salary cap's going to be. Um, so, you know, what number folks are using to project right now will probably be different across, you know, various sites and whatnot. But I can tell you overthecap.com where I contribute is, is trusted by NFL teams. They go on there and check it out. So I think that's safely the best resource for you. Um, we have them about $7 million over the cap. Uh, if the cap were to be $180.5 million, um, you know, I think it's going to settle in around 183, maybe hit 185. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're a little bit of chunk above. And again, that is before, you know, Allen Robinson's $18 million franchise tag uh, would hit, like you said. So, Brad, if we're to safely assume, I'm, I'm guessing we're all on the same page here that Allen uh, being tagged is a matter of uh, when, but not if. Um, what do they got to do? What, what appear to be the most logical uh, it's corresponding moves to ensure, and I know that doesn't happen to ha- have to happen immediately, but uh, uh, how are they going to make the space to to ensure that Robinson's tag number can fit if he plays the season on the tag, and uh, and how can they do it without you know wor- worsening the roster as, as little as possible? Yeah, so we're on the same page there for sure. I do expect it to happen. Uh, the deadline is March 9th, so coming up, you know, really shortly, it was a Tuesday. So uh, yep. I think we'll hear that in the next 48 hours. So, you know, to, to not make the roster significantly worse, um, you know, they already kind of alluded to potentially restructuring some contracts, which just means converting base salary that's all hitting 2021 right now, converting into a bonus and pushing that money over the line uh, or down the line for, you know, a, a number of, of years. And so I think um, Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair are pretty obvious ones. Um, you know, I think Jackson's when they signed that deal initially, it kind of suggested they were going to restructure. Um, so if they do those two moves, they clear $10 million just restructuring those guys. Um, and then I think also you got to look at extensions. Um, Kyle Fuller's contract clearly suggests that he needs – so they need to do something, right? Uh, has a $20 million cap hit for 2021. Had a good season. You know, I think you should trust that, yes, corner is, is, a, is a position where you can fall off a bit, but – he, you know, he's an off-man corner. He's, he's not really relying on, on innate physical abilities. He's been a solid player. He's been healthy for a number of years. So you could extend him and clear about $10 million more um, by giving him a new deal, 
you know, cutting the old one up and chopping that down. And then, frankly, Akeem Hicks. they got to make a decision there as well. Um, I think also an extension uh, makes sense. He has a $12 million cap hit for 2021. I think with an extension, you could drop that by about $6, 7000000 million. So just those four moves where, you know, you're not losing anybody uh, and you're clearing about $25 million. And then we'll see with Bobby Massey and Jimmy Graham. I think those are the only two cuts, you know, potential cuts left. But I know that uh, Jimmy Graham, I guess, is leading the – Russell Wilson recruitment brigade, so maybe he needs to stick around for a little bit. So, Brad, I'm, I'm curious, and our listeners are going to think this is a cause with me at this point, and it's unfortunate because Charles Leno uh, is an outstanding young man, <laughs> and, and I wish him nothing but the best, but he's a mediocre football player. And, and, and when, when we talk about uh, Ryan Pace used this expression Tuesday. He said there's a bloodletting coming. Uh, you know that there are going to be no end of quality veterans uh, on the street. And because every team is dealing with the same salary cap reductions, we have to assume that these guys are not going to get paid. You know the way they've been paid the last couple of years, at least if they sign for this season. Why does nobody but me seem to include Charles Leno as another potential cap savings worth worth realizing? So I, w- I would just say there it's because, you know, replacing one tackle in the offseason is tough enough. And to me, at least, Bobby Massey is more obvious. Uh, a couple years older, now has injuries the last two seasons. Um, and I think both players, like you said, average. Like, <laughs> mediocre may be another way to describe it. But um, but I think, frankly, Leno, you know, let's say he's a middle-of-the-pack middle NFL player. His contract is pretty team-friendly. Um, but maybe the route they could go, um, which Minnesota, you know, the Vikings did last year with their left tackle, Riley Reese is essentially say, hey, look, you know, we want to keep you around, but you may have to take, you know, three, four, five million less dollars uh, just for us to fit you on the books. Maybe they could explore that. But yeah, I think the reason is just that, you know, trying to trying to replace both tackles in an off season, you know, you're trying to coax the quarterback to come here. Um, and if you didn't have a tackle on the roster, that might scare them away a bit. Brad, as Bears fans, we've been tortured enough. So whether we're just wasting our breath and, and having fun or, or torturing ourselves more. Let's do it. Let's talk to quarterbacks. Uh, you mentioned Russ, obviously Deshaun Watson, allegedly available as well. Uh, I don't know much about the salary cap. I have to assume that one of those deals would be a lot more palatable cap-wise than the other, but can you kind of give us the, uh, the breakdown of what the ramifications might be uh, uh, for bringing in one, one of those guys and if one makes a lot more sense from a financial standpoint? Yeah, so right now, uh, if you were to bring on Sean Watson, you'd only have a $10.5 million cap hit uh, for 2021. Obviously, it balloons after that. You know, with his huge extension, but the way the extension was structured is that this upcoming season was, in theory, his fifth-year option season. So they kind of kept the cap hit actually a little bit lower than his fifth-year option was scheduled to be. Uh, With Wilson, you inherited a $19 million cap hit. But I think with either one, the Bears maybe look to restructure or or extend or, or do something to kind of drop that cap hit as soon as the guy gets on the roster, go ahead and drop it down. Um, and then as for realistic, I frankly do not think Deshaun Watson is realistic. Um, I think if Houston moves him, which, which seems less likely than Seattle, um, they would want, you know, I, in my opinion, the Jets and Miami are the only teams that are really in the mix because they're picking at number two and number three and because they have extra first-round picks now. Um, you know, the Bears can only offer right now the, the 2021 to 2023 first-round pick, so a max of three firsts. Um, on draft day, they can offer a fourth, but, um, you know, I, I just don't think that's going get, to get them over the hump with Houston, um, especially because, you know, their pick is 20th. And then in theory, if you have Deshaun Watson on the Bears, you know, hopefully they're picking 32nd overall uh, the two years after that. So Wilson seems to be the much more realistic option. What about so, the hub? Let me just quickly yeah, put in sure. just what about the Seattle vantage point, Brad? Because then you look at that huge dead cap hit that they'd be taking on, and it almost feels like it becomes a moot point. For sure. So, yeah, so it would be the largest dead cap hit in NFL history. It would, it would beat out Carson Wentz's about $34 million from last month. Um, it'd be $39 million for Russell Wilson. Definitely hard, hard to stomach. Um, I think at that point they would probably just tear the whole operation down. I mean, they are – look, they're not a great roster. They're going to lose you know, their top corner in Shaquille Griffin uh, and their second corner, Quentin Dunbar, is a free agent. You know, they're just, they might just, you know, hit the reset button if they do ultimately go that route. Um, but I do think it's going to be tough to convince them to move on um, from Russ and also take on that massive dead cap head. So that's the perfect segue to the question I was going to ask, Brad. Explain, <clears throat> excuse me, to our listeners, people keep talking about prior to June 1st. 
there is another way to approach it if they can stall long enough. Uh, it, it makes it a lot trickier. Why does the cap hit become, I mean, I know, but I can't explain it as well as you can. So why, <laughs> why does the cap hit become uh, less after June 1st, and how much less does it become? Yeah, so the rule there is that the way they calculate dead money after June 1st is that, so basically the $39 million number, what that is, is from his signing bonus originally on the extension, there's $13 million per year in amounts in each season. So he has three seasons left and 13 each, so there's the 39. What you do after June 1st is only the current year's $13 million would hit in 2021, and then the remaining $26 million would hit Seattle's cap in 2022. So they still get the same amount. But it's way more palatable in, in the current year, and then they deal with you know a big chunk of the following year. So I would push back on that notion. I've actually kind of asked some folks uh, around the league what their, what their thoughts were on that. Um, I know a lot of folks have cited, well, there might not be off-season activities anyway, so if guys aren't practicing, then maybe it's not a big deal. Um, and, and league sources might push back on that you know, pretty much across the board, that when you're trading for a franchise quarterback, you want the guy on your roster as soon as possible, you want him on the roster on March 17th, the first day of the league year. You want to be able to be in contact with him, sending him playbooks, getting him practicing, working out with guys, stuff like that. And so you just can't really do that um, if you wait until June 2nd to go ahead and pull a move. So I, I, I get the idea. I love it. I love that people are starting to you know, think of you know, crazy ways with the cap and all that, but it doesn't sound super realistic to me. Well, and so just to be clear, Arthur, let me just jump in here one more time so that, so that everybody understands. Dead cap money is exactly what we're calling it. It is dead cap money. There's no beating the system. And so when you talk about the $39 million in dead cap on, on Wilson, it's just a question of when Seattle takes that pain. There is 20, what, 20 or $21 million of dead cap money on Deshaun Watson's deal. Um, and, and, and the reason I believe that his cap-friendly number this year would be that is because the Bears don't have to eat that, but the Texans apparently would only have to take about $6 million in dead cap money this year if they dealt Watson. Is that correct? So, yeah, so his total is about $21.6 million, I believe, um, you know, because, again, he had a $27 million signing bonus on his extension, you know, a little bit smaller. Um, so, no, if it was pre-June 1, it would be $21.6 million, but then, yeah, you're right. So if it was the post-June 1, like we just talked about, Really small number, um, you know, down in the yeah, five or six million range. Um, but And I guess that's more realistic because obviously Houston seems to be digging their heels in and they're not going to make a move, you know, in the short term. So maybe they do realize eventually this offseason that they have to cut their losses um, and just get the best return possible. So I suppose that is more realistic, yeah. Brad, you've done an awesome job of breaking down the pipe dreams. I love the way you, you, you're able to, to discuss the cap. Uh, again, I don't know much about it at all, so uh, I know the listeners appreciate it as well. What about the consolation? Is there, let's assume that, you know, the, the likelihood, of course, is that neither Watson or Wilson ends up in Chicago. Uh, what's the consolation prize that maybe can provide something more than one year of quarterback stability and, and maybe even give some hope for a, a few years out when you look at the options out there uh, and where the Bears sit? Yeah, so I, I know folks haven't received my answer to this question particularly well all season, but in my opinion, it, it's still Jameis Winston. Um, you know, I understand the struggles, and, and everyone remembers him now for the 30 touchdown, 30 interception season he had in 2019, but you know, spent a whole year with Drew Brees and Sean Payton down in New Orleans. Obviously, Ryan Pace has a very strong connection to that building, you know, started his career there. And by all accounts, him and Sean Payton are still very close. So, you know, if Sean Payton, you know, he's gone out and said it in public that, you know, Jameis, you know, seemed to mature a lot. He seemed to take things a little bit more seriously. He kind of understood the work that goes into being a top NFL quarterback. But he obviously has, the, you know, the innate ability to do that. He was the first overall pick for a reason, number one recruit out of high school for a reason. And so if he has his head on his shoulders straight, I don't see why it couldn't work out. And like you said, it wouldn't just be a one-year stopgap. You know, I think you probably do sign him to a one-year deal at first um, and kind of, you know, see how the situation goes. But right. he's, what, 26, 27 years old. So, you know, that, that's the only one to me that says, like, you want to shoot for upside. Yes, the floor is pretty low. I understand that. But the ceiling is arguably the highest of, you know, of anyone you're going to really be able to get. And let me just follow up with that. Is the Saints cap situation such a dumpster fire that they're going to let a potential franchise guy just walk like that? Or what do you suspect? I mean, they're not going with Taysom Hill. I, I know it's been a fun joke, but I, I have to assume that's not the real plan. So how does Jameis get out of their building? They just can't even afford the, a short prove-it deal? 
So I, I do think he's still going to end up in New Orleans. Um, that's kind of my, my read on the situation. I think, honestly, a bit of a conspiracy, but I do think it, it's fair to assume that maybe they realize after Teddy Bridgewater, you know, had five starts and signed for three years, $60 million, that maybe Taysom played those games last year so the same thing wouldn't happen again with Jameis. Um, so right. I think he'll sign for like a one-year, $7 million deal but they'll go ahead and do their classic you know, cap manipulation and have that first-year cap hit as low as possible. But I've suggested, I mean, again, the Bears aren't really one of those teams, but I've suggested if you're a team with cap space in the NFC, why not offer Jameis, you know, I don't know, one year, $15 million, just to get him out of New Orleans so they can't match it. Um, so so may, maybe Ryan Pace burns his old building, uh, but I still think he'll be a uh, New Orleans Saint. Brad Spielberger, a salary cap expert for both pro football focus and over the cap. Uh, for those of you who are even just casual fans, if you want to get more information uh, about the salary cap, overthecap.com is, is one great source. There's a few out there I use over the cap. Uh, Brad, one other quick topic. I know we got to let you run, but I think it's important, and, and a lot of folks don't want to think about it, aren't thinking about it right now, but it is a reality. The salary cap has decreased, we think, by about $18 million this year if it ends up at $180 million. It is the first time since 2011 that the cap has gone down and only the second time in the history of the cap, gone up about $10 million a year each of the last seven years, I believe. And and this is how teams have built their rosters and their salary cap situations. Now they're trying to deal with this. What I think everybody's ignoring, the cap could go down again next year. We don't know the numbers. The reason this happened is because at the end of the day, with the new CBA, the players are guaranteed 48% of total football revenue, but they're still calculating what total football revenue was for 2020. They made a deal with the players that it would not go down by more than 10% this year, but we don't know what that actual number is. And so there is a chance that the players could, quote-unquote, owe the owners more money next year um, and I'm just kind of using that to paraphrase a little bit. And so it's possible that this is not a one-year deal, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. So I don't think it would fall below, you know, this year's cap, uh, you know, 2021, that is. But I could see it maybe not jumping past 2019 to $198.2 uh, potentially. Because, yes, the way it's set up is that there was the COVID amendments agreed upon between the NFLPA and the league, and essentially the owners – you know, the cap this year, if they didn't do anything, would be like $130 million. Uh, but they've essentially agreed to kind of eat that cost and kind of keep the salary cap as high as possible just for competitive reasons and stuff like that. So, yes, it's, it's certainly possible. Um, you know, I know right now they're projecting attendance to be about 75% for, for all 32 teams in 2021. You know, they're pretty bullish on, on things like that. And, and gate revenue was the biggest, you know, kind of drop to this year's cap. Um, so they're optimistic, but like you said, nothing's certain, um, and it is possible. And I think folks think it's going to skyrocket by $220 million or something like that. I, I agree with you. I'd be a little bit more bearish than that. Maybe settle in around $200 million next year or not, you know, not a huge growth number. And then maybe 2022 is when we see that, you know, the new TV deals, the gambling revenue, the 17th game potentially, then we'll see kind of a big jump. Brad, Brad just truly- on the way out. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Huff. No, no, no. Go ahead, Arthur. Go ahead. Yeah, just quickly on the way out, we really appreciate your time. Uh, obviously, we're all hyper-focused on the quarterback situation and Allen Robinson here in Chicago. Uh, just fill in the listeners if there's one other area as free agency set to kick off in about 10 days uh, that you think is kind of sneaky, intriguing, or, or something else that really uh, commands our attention as well. Yeah, you know, I think we're seeing across the league um, – the more common cap casualties are, are expensive interior offensive linemen. A lot of guards getting cut, and so I think there could be a good market where the Bears could add a, you know, a cheap guard that just got cut uh, but still a good player uh, for maybe you know, a one- or two-year deal for not much money. Uh, and then I think if they do add, I, I don't think they're going to add any big pieces, but I think an intriguing spot could be at like tight end. Um, if they go after a guy like a Gerald Everett, you know, traditional move tight end or you know, U tight end that I think would fit perfect opposite of Cole Komet, um, and I think he'd only command, you know, three years, 18 million, three years, 20 million. Um, so I think that that's kind of the, I know it's not a big splash, expecting, but I think that's probably the biggest splash that they're looking to make. Brad, we truly appreciate your time this afternoon. We appreciate your expertise. Again, you can follow Brad at Pro Football Focus. Uh, if you want to learn more about the cap, go to overthecap.com. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks for having me on. You do the same. 
That is Brad Spielberger. We are going to take a very quick commercial break here. And when we get back, your phone calls. We probably, I think, Arthur, we've probably done a pretty good job of creating as many more questions as we have provide answers. And so, folks, if you've got anything on your mind at all, give us a call. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. You can text us at that number as well. We are going to talk some Cubs, we're going to talk some Bulls, but not for the next 45 minutes or so, and we will get back to more NFL later in the show. As a matter of fact, one other thing I want to mention, you may have heard that Kyle Long has visited with us a couple times here at the Score in the last few days, I believe was on Thursday and again Friday, or maybe it was Friday and again Saturday. Uh, Both interviews particularly intriguing. Uh, His visit with Zach Zaidman really caught my ear, And, and so if you missed it, uh, mark your, uh, set the alarm on your cell phone, if you will, at about 3.40, uh, we are going to replay a visit with Kyle Long, um, and I don't know if he's teasing, if he's just having fun, if he's serious, he doesn't come out and say he's making a comeback, uh, but when you listen to the conversation, you begin to wonder, beyond that, some really interesting things to say about the Chicago Bears, about Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. So in addition to visiting with Maddie Lee, who covers the Chicago Cubs at 2 o'clock, and Rick Camp, our Bulls expert, at 3 o'clock, at about 3.40, we'll have that interview um, with Kyle Long for you. But right now, your questions and texts at 312-644-6767. We are back in just a moment here at The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. to our program, everybody. Arthur Arkish is here. I am Hub Arkish. We are with you until 4 o'clock, enjoying a Sunday afternoon in Chicago talking sports. It's been pretty much all Bears and NFL so far. We've already had Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times and Brad Spielberger from Over the Cap and, uh, of course, Pro Football Focus on the Alpamani Ford hotline. We are going to have some more guests coming up for you later in the show, but right now, would love to get your phone calls at 312-644-6767. I've got the text line up as well, and you can text us at the same number, 312-644-6767. And one quick thought for you guys on the text line. If you're going to text me wrong hub in all caps, period, 100% wrong in all caps, that's fine. You may be right. But can you tell me what we're talking about? Because I have no idea um, what that texter from the 815 area code is talking about. Um, you know, Arthur, it, it's interesting. Stop and, and yelling, too. All caps. Come on now. Uh, well, yeah, they think that makes their point more. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, hey, that's fine. You know, I, 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 Hey, I confess, every once in a while, I'll go the all caps route. Uh, um, but You're more of an emoji guy, Hub. I've become one, yeah, ever since I figured out how to get the uh, the, the stupid-looking emoji of me on my phone. Um, at any rate... Uh, <laughs> Not Andy Reid in a Hawaiian shirt, but it's pretty darn good. Uh, yeah, your mother loves the one with your hearts in my eyes. Um, anyway, uh, uh, 
yeah, I think it's interesting looking at the text line here, guys, that, that it, it probably is 50 50 uh, as to whether the Bears should take a big swing at quarterback or not. Um, we do have all of the usual haters of, of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Uh, uh, and the other thing that's really interesting to me, Arthur, that we have not touched on yet today is that in hosting, you mentioned I, I hosted Thursday night. I had John McClain and John Clayton. We had a good time. But, but it was really interesting. In, in the phone calls and the texts, the majority wanted Mitch Trubisky back as opposed to wanting him gone. Now, again, I don't know. I'm not saying that this is a statistically accurate sampling of, of Bears Nation or any of that, um, but it certainly is different from shows that I've been hosting for the last four years here um, where there wasn't a lot of Mr. Trubisky love in town. But, but I think as people have become more realistic about this quarterback situation, um, uh, and I see now we've already got another caller on the phone about Mitch. We'll get to you. Uh, I'm sorry, that's that's Mitch in Northbrook. He may not be calling about Trubisky. Uh, we'll get to you in just a minute, buddy. Um, it may be Mitch Trubisky. We say Mitch where? Is he in Northbrook? I don't know. It's, uh, oh, I think it's in North Carolina. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I doubt that number 10 is dialing us up. But who knows? You know, maybe he's listening out there. Um, it is interesting. And you touched on something a little while ago as you were talking about possibly drafting another quarterback, the need in your mind to have an athletic guy who is mobile. What I would say is that I think it's it, it certainly is important. It's not um, uh, a deal breaker, but it's the best way to go. And more so in Chicago than almost anywhere else, if you're going to play with those offensive tackles or without fixing both tackle positions. So it is a concern, but that's not my, my, my point. My point, and I'm curious to, to, to hear your response, is that it's ironic is that, is that it appears that we're at the end and maybe this is the way it always works. Now all of a sudden Bears fans are warming to Mitch. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if that's just some strange phenomenon. I haven't gotten a lot of that from my, uh, <clears throat> you know, Twitter mentions. And, the, and when I do tune in on the air, uh, uh, I didn't listen Friday, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, maybe it's one of those things where you just worry that the grass isn't going to be greener. I know there is a segment of Bears, uh, of the Bears fan base th- that believes Mitch's struggles were as much or more on Matt Nagy than they were uh, the chosen quarterback. Um I don't know. I, I just I think that we can safely say that Mitch isn't going to be back because I, I, I strongly suspect that um, that it just has run its course and that Matt Nagy would prefer to go in a different direction at the most important position on the field. Um, but, you know, until he officially it, it's going to be intriguing to see where he winds up to, assuming it's not Chicago and in, in what role. So you always want to be careful kind of closing the book. And I know Nagy has said this, that Mitch's story isn't completely written yet. Uh, and, and you do have to be careful because he's so young and he is so talented. But um, I, I suspect, and, and in my opinion personally, I think we've seen more than enough uh, to believe that it's not going to happen for Mitch here. So uh, it, it is interesting, no doubt. And um, uh, he had the mobility part, has the mobility part, excuse me. He certainly has the toughness part, and he has the likability part too. I, there's a lot to like about Mitch. Uh, unfortunately, you know, throwing with accuracy and timing and, uh, and solid, consistent decision-making, uh, just they, they weren't it and you need that at the position. So, yeah, I, I will meet you halfway, Arthur. A- anybody who was on the, uh, the zoom conferences with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, uh, I think is going to agree. You cannot safely say that they're done with Mitch. Now, uh, I think the odds are very much against his being back. I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, but it was interesting talking to these guys on Tuesday because I came away from the season-ending press conference and then you know everything that I learned and heard and making calls and working sources in the, in the weeks following that told me there was no way he was going to be back. Um, but then listening to Ryan and Matt Tuesday, they certainly went out of their way to make it sound like it is still a possibility. And in the folks I've talked to uh, since, what I'm hearing is that it, it's, it's actually not off the table. Uh, uh, it can't be because they've told us now several times everything's on the table. So right. uh, and now, granted, of course, we know Ryan Pace, uh, especially at this time of the year, how, how tight he keeps things to the vest. And it's, it could be just be gamemanship, of course. I, I know that goes without saying. So, hey, we're going to find out here in a few weeks. Uh, what free agency starts in nine nine uh, days I think so couldn't be more excited and, and we'll see what type of moves happen quickly and I can't remember whether it was Pat or, or Brad who mentioned but the timing in and of itself is going to be interesting because I don't know whether the Bears are going to show urgency or, or whether they can kind of slow play it uh, remember how slowly the quarterback carousel 
uh, came to a came to a halt last year. There was quick movement right out of the gate, but then I guess it was the Patriots kind of culminating things with Cam. That didn't happen until way after the league year opened. All righty, let's get to the phone lines again. 312-644-6767. Mike is on the south side and joins us next. How you doing today, Mike? Hey, how's it going, Hub and Arthur? Thanks for taking my call, guys. Okay, so Hub, I, I listened to you the other night, and you sort of you sort of converted me when it comes to pace. I have a ton of respect for your football acumen, and but here's where I'm at with Ryan Pace. I really think, and the, and the Bears in general, the championship window to me has closed um, when the defense was at its peak power. When you had, um, you know, when you had. Khalil Mack, you know, performing at, at his max capability. You know, now, you know, him and Akeem Hicks, they're a couple of years older. Um, you know, this, you know, everybody's getting older each year that goes by, especially those key guys that were really critical on the defenses, uh, critical to the defense's success. And so where I'm at now is I'm, I, I'm, I'm okay with giving Pace another run at it, but I just think they really need to just blow the thing up. I think the areas that I'm hoping Pace has learned from are we need to have a solid offensive line. You have to build from the line and then build around that. And then hopefully he'll get another swing at a quarterback and maybe they can do something. But I just think they need to just deconstruct it and then rebuild it. And I'm willing to give Pace that opportunity because he has had a mixed bag when it comes to his drafting. He has had some successes. He's had a massive failure. Um, and Trubisky, but young guy on the job, I like to give him another shot, another shot at it. But I just think they need to just reconstruct the team from from the from the from the, the studs and rebuild it. Thanks for taking my call. Well, Mike, thank you for the call, and it's kind of interesting because let me be real clear on something. When you say I converted you, I wouldn't let Ryan Pace start a rebuild. Not not off what I've seen in the last six years. I mean that that's not what I've been trying to say. I don't think he has been nearly as bad as the haters try and paint him. Uh, he, he is not incompetent. He has done some good things. He's made some big mistakes, and those big mistakes would scare me away from letting him do another complete rebuild. But what I have been saying is that I think it makes all the sense in the world to have him this year for several reasons, Arthur, and, and, and one is because he has done some, some very good things. Unfortunately, he's gotten in his own way with some of his mistakes, but also it's kind of like what we talk about the, the, the uniqueness of the salary cap this year. There is a uniqueness to free agency in the draft that we have never seen before. They're calling it a combine, but there's no combine. You know, getting these players worked out at their pro days doesn't vaguely resemble the combine. You have top prospects who sat out last year. You have top prospects who only played one, three, five games. Uh, uh, your scouts were not allowed to be on the road last year. And so do you want to fire your GM and bring in somebody brand new who wasn't overseeing a scouting department the last two or three years because they do have a fair amount of work that they did on these under these kids who were underclassmen last year and the year before, before you know the world blew up? And that is a very real consideration. You know, you've got a remarkable number, seven, I think eight new GMs this year, um, you know, a couple retreads, and, and so they'll do better. Uh, but, but to me, it was another argument for giving him one more year, that and the good things that he has done, and the fact that when I hear Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace say that they think they're close and that there is a path to them contending this year, I agree with them. I just don't agree possibly with them and certainly with a lot of fans on what that path is. So, yeah, I think it was right to retain Pace this year, but if but if I'm committing to a rebuild, then I would clean house. Then I would start over and try and find the next bright young mind. Yeah, interesting points. Um, certainly about the the continuity of the you know the front office, the personnel staff, and uh, the the flux that all teams have been left in in light of the pandemic dating back to last year, and especially as the draft uh, you know prop process ramps up here. Uh, for this season. So I, I honestly hadn't really thought about that, but that is a pretty compelling argument for keeping him around. I was kind of spitballing or I was thinking uh, to myself as you were talking, I, I'm not predicting anything. I certainly don't think this is going to happen. Um, but 
I don't even know if I should mention it, but hasn't there been some pretty odd timing of GM moves in recent seasons, Hub, where uh, as the firings came out, we're like, oh, that's so weird that they waited so late in the process. But then as it turns out, and again, I'm not predicting the Bears are going to fire Ryan Pace this year. I don't think that's happening. Um, but we've seen other teams actually appear to show some foresight, Hub, in, in keeping that personnel department together to get through a draft and then cutting ties. I want, I want to say what John Dorsey, Marty Herney in recent years, uh, there's one more, I think even more recently where that has happened. So um, I guess it just speaks to the point you, you had made about uh, the continuity and how important it is, especially during these uncertain times. But look, uh, the bottom line is that as disappointing as the season was from September through December last year, uh, especially when taking into consideration uh, what the Bears and every other team were up against uh, prepping for the draft last year. It's pretty darn good early returns on, on the 2020 draft class. I have to give Ryan Pace credit for that much. Uh, sure, you would have loved to have seen Jalen Johnson uh, able to av- avoid uh, the season-ending injury and kind of maintain that play for a 16-game season, but he certainly looks like a keeper. Uh, Darnell Mooney flashed some star power, and uh, Cole Komet came, came along nicely too. So it looks like even this most recent haul uh, could really have a few keepers, and, and we do have to credit Pace for that much. Well, it's one extra, you know, uh, really asset or, or reason that you would argue to keep pace is that uh, without a first-round pick, this could turn out to be his best draft. <laughs> you know? and so that would be a strange one to fire him on. It is not commonplace, but it is certainly not unusual, uh, as you mentioned, Arthur, for, for GM moves to be made in the summer. People may not remember, but but Jerry Angelo was hired by the Bears June 26th of 2001. They went on that year after being last in the division the year before to go 13-3 and three and be the number one seed in the NFC. Obviously, Jerry had no impact on that. Um, but they, and they didn't fire anybody, by the way, they, they did not have a GM at the time. Uh, but the point is that they had, uh, I believe, uh, it was still Mark Hatley and, and Bill Reese running the personnel department and, and the scouting season, the, the, the evaluation season basically runs, uh, from May 1st to April 30th. You know, you, you get through the draft, you get through free agency, or at least most of the work in free agency, and now you're starting over, and that is a good starting point. And so it's not unusual uh, to make GM moves at that time. I don't get a sense that that's what George McCaskey is thinking at all, but but it's not something you can take off the table. So um, well, I remember Mitch, the Panthers the Panthers won vividly because weren't we all in Door County and caught kind of off guard and you were running off yes. the column? Yeah, that was the mm-hmm. one that I had in my head. Anyway, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and Dorsey, I mean, it, it is it's not that unusual for it to happen. It's not the 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 the, the rule or not commonplace either. But yeah. but but there is a good reason for it, and, and that's why uh, you know uh, personnel evaluators, college scouting directors, uh, you know pro scouting directors, even scouts, their contracts usually are written to run. Some of them expire May 31st. You know maybe it's right. June 1st because that's the way the season runs for them. It does not run uh, along the calendar the same way that the playing season does. So it's very different for front office folks and coaches. We've got Mitch and Tim hanging on the line. Guys, I need you to hang just a minute or two longer. We're going to take a very quick break here, but we're going to get right back to you. Mitch in Northbrook is next right here on The Score. Todd Anderson spinning the tunes, getting us in and out of our segments, doing a great job on absolutely everything today. He always does. I'm certainly not surprised. Sean, our producer, the friendly voice on the other end of the phone, when you give us a call at 312-644-6767. The us would be Arthur Arkish in hosting for you this afternoon, along with me. I am Hub Arkish. We are here until 4 o'clock, having a great time getting to visit with you all. And we're going to go right back to the phone lines now. Mitch in Northbrook. Mitch, I'm sorry I kept you on hold so long, buddy. Appreciate you calling. How you doing today? We are doing great. That was great lead-in music, and I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I sure. certainly appreciate, uh, you know, you and Arthur's insight and analysis when it comes to football. And I'm really interested in getting your take on comparing two GMs, one Ryan Pace in Chicago and the other Brian Gutekunst in Green Bay. Um, Brian Kudigans, as you probably see well know, got blitzed for uh, 
his draft last year because he was drafting players that really didn't fit um, an available position. They were really, you know, kind of backups from the very beginning. And when he picked Jordan Love and especially traded up for Jordan Love, he really got blitzed. And they kept saying, or he kept saying that um, the reason you draft a quarterback is really when you don't need one. So that's a little different predicament than what Ryan Pace is here in Chicago at this point. So I was curious, you know, knowing that, that uh, Brian Kudikins did trade up to draft Jordan Love last year, do you know where he would Jordan Love would actually rank in this year's quarterback class? Well, Mitch, uh, you know, a few things there. I, first of all, I'd, I'd be very careful in, in comparing uh, Gutekunst and Pace for no other reason than we don't know about Brian yet. I, I mean, when you got Aaron Rodgers, you're, you're, you're coming from a whole different place, okay? I don't think that the Packers are one of the four or five best football teams in the NFL based on their 52-man roster. But Aaron Rodgers makes them one of the two or three best teams in the NFL. Without Aaron Rodgers, they're no better than the Bears. And so, you know, it's it's really hard to judge the job that Gutekunst has done so far. I know I loved A.J. Dillon coming out of Boston College, uh, and folks thought that he went too high for him. Now they're actually considering, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but they're considering, Arthur, you know, letting uh, Aaron Jones walk in free agency. Uh, Jamal Williams is a free agent. I don't think they'll let them both walk. Um, so uh, I, I just, I can't make any comparisons yet. I, I, I think Brian Gutekus is off to a pretty good start. Um, but but when you're gifted Aaron Rodgers, you know, and, and a playoff team to begin with, it's, it's not a fair comparison to Ryan Pace, who was brought here for a complete rebuild. As far as Jordan Love, um, my guess is that he would be in the Justin Fields, um, uh, Mac Jones, what would be a trio, uh, still behind uh, the other three, behind Lawrence, Wilson, and Lance. I, I suspect you're probably right with that too, Hub. Uh, you know, there was more, uh, there was certainly more tape um, on Love coming out from uh, San Jose State than, than we've had on Trey Lance and uh, really even, I guess, Justin Fields because I'm trying to remember now, Justin Fields had two years of starting or one year of his starter? No, he had uh, two years. He had, yeah, one full season and the better part of the, uh, uh, his first year. Um, so yeah, I think he would certainly be in that first round conversation, but probably in that second tier. And I, I think we need to be careful just to, uh, uh, to, to, you know, kind of say that there's a consensus, even at QB two, cause I don't think there is, uh, in hubs talking to a lot more people this time of year than I am. So maybe I should defer to you on this. Certainly I should, uh, what are you hearing? Is it, is it all Zach Wilson behind Trevor Lawrence? Cause I know you mentioned Justin Fields star dropping a little bit in recent weeks and months, but, uh, I'd have to imagine there's still, uh, certainly some, some clubs that have him at number two fields. Yeah. One other point for you, Mitch, and then I'm going to answer Arthur's, uh, point here. And then we're going to get to Tim, uh, is that, there was a lot more tape on Jordan Love, and a lot of it wasn't very good. <laughs> was, I mean, right. you know, but what, Love was a controversial prospect because while he's he's a traits guy, I mean, he's a great athlete. He's got you know classic you know drop back quarterback size, pretty good athlete. But but his accuracy came into question sometimes. There are some throws that some scouts weren't sure he could make. Um, so. I didn't have any problem with him. I think it was a 26 in the first round, um, but but not quite the prospect because of some of the, the negatives from his tape. Now, you know, coming back to Arthur's point, um, the, the majority that I'm hearing have Wilson second, Arthur, but there is no clear consensus and certainly no unanimous uh, you know, voice on that. Um, there are, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going first to the Jaguars. That isn't changing. Once you get past that, one of the concerns with Wilson is, is his physique and, and his size. He's, he's a pretty skinny guy. They don't know if he's going to be able to take a pounding. Um, he's another guy who had an incredible year last year, but going into last year was not in the top three or four, and he played his way in in this strange college football season that we had. Um, and so while I think that the majority, well, I don't think, I know, the majority of folks I'm talking to have him as the second quarterback off the board. Lance is, is the great unknown. I mean, this kid, and, and this gets back to, to the whole issue with the Ryan Pace experience here in Chicago. Do you draft traits? Do you draft, um, uh, you know, athleticism, size, or do you draft really good football players? 
Now, I've been doing this 43 years, and I've worked with some really good GMs and, and scouts, and have always found that the most successful ones draft the best football players. You can get, you can, you can. It's not necessarily lucky if you know what you're doing, but it's lucky when they hit. If you draft a traits guy, and he does turn out to be, uh, you know, a Pro Bowl level player. But when you've got guys who, who appeared to play at that level in college and have the size and strength and the measurables, those are always going to be safer picks. And, and so that's why there's no debate about Trevor Lawrence. Um, one of the reasons that I think Mac Jones is climbing up boards now is because it's not about traits. He's not a special athlete. But when you look at what he did on the field at Bama last year, it's hard not to be impressed with, you know, with what he accomplished. Yeah, they were better than most of the teams they played talent-wise, um, but but he did all the things you wanted to do. So, Arthur, I, you know, um, I don't know what you're hearing. Uh, you know, we're all looking at it. the mock drafts or whatever. You know, it's uh, um, I, th- those are more for clickbait than necessarily anybody who really thinks that's what's going to happen. Um, but when you work the phones and talk to folks, uh, Wilson is number two right now. And he's there's a lot to like about his game. I, I like a lot about Justin Fields' game too. Uh, another, you know, he, he's kind of a different level of athlete. Wilson's really good. Fields, I think, is special as a dual threat. Um, I just want to quickly correct. I, I said Jordan Love, I think, went to uh, San Jose State. Of course, it's Utah State. And I think it's worth mentioning just on the Brian Gutekunst question, uh, certainly that you know it's an apples to oranges comparison, and, and the jury is very much out. Uh, but do you think they could have used Tub some rookie contributors uh, in the playoffs down the stretch that might have helped them uh, make a difference? Because they obviously had none with Jordan Love inactive, AJ Dillon still running third, I believe, come playoff time behind those two in pending free agents. They got they got virtually nothing out of the the, the rookie class. So uh, when you are once again on the cusp of a Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers has delivered an MVP season, I realize hindsight's 2020. Uh, but I think it is fair to wonder uh, what ki- type of extra uh, juice they might have received from from someone who can make a difference on day one. They, they didn't have that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Packer fans, you're not going to be able to judge Brian Gutekunst until he's forced to play without Aaron Rodgers. Because when you talk about, uh, I forget the expression you used about Russell Wilson, Arthur, but when you talk about a quarterback who, the, the great multiplier who, who makes everything around him better. I mean, that, that that's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you, okay. Nobody has ever done it like he has done it. And, and yes, they, they would have been better with more around him. And, and, and as close as they got, you have you, you could make the argument that had Gutekus done a better job, they would have won a Super Bowl because that's how close they were. Let's get to Valparaiso and welcome Tim into the program. Tim, thank you for hanging on. How you doing? Oh, my pleasure. It's, it's wonderful to sit on hold and listen to the stuff. So it's great. Um, I have an idea what the Bears should do, and that means they won't do it. But uh, McCaskey, if, if I were McCaskey, I would hire right now a good football guy. I wouldn't do – this wouldn't be anything known by anybody. This wouldn't be anything really in the news. Wouldn't be, he wouldn't be put into any kind of play in the front office or anything at this time. All right? So he's just there this year to sit there. All right? And what you do is you don't allow – your GM or coach, there's no moving up in the draft, and there's no free agency pickups, and there's no trades, okay? You pick the best athlete available at your pick. That's it. You play the year out, okay? At the end of this year, this football guy either replaces Ryan Pace or he sees that Ryan Pace isn't doing that bad, right? So the next year, you can't move up. You're not allowed to do any trades. And you're not allowed to get any free agents. You just draft the best person available. So what you're doing is you're taking your contracts that are that are giving you zero salary cap right now are going away. Okay, you may have won or lost, but you've got your draft picks. You didn't trade them. You didn't lose them. And you got the best football player available. So by that third year, that guy has seen Nagy coach for two years. That guy has seen Pace GM for two years. All right. And he decides then, do we keep these guys or not? Then you have an open salary cap. You have no big contracts, zero. And you may have good draft picks. And you really are a place that any free agent will want to come to because you have the most salary cap. What do you think about that? Yeah, Tim, it doesn't work for me. Um, I, I mean, what you're doing is you're not competing. Yeah. You're, you're not using all of your resources to put the best football team on the field that you can. Um, and, you, and you're not 
giving a fair test to Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. I, I mean, the general manager job is not about just drafting players where you fall in the draft and not having any ability to use those assets in other ways. And as the coach, you're not trying to give him the best talent available. So, you know, Tim, I think what you're trying to do is just come in a different door again and say that, you know, McCaskey needs a football guy. And, and Arthur, I, you know, what Bears fans who take that tack don't seem to want to acknowledge is he has a football guy. That's what Ryan Pace was brought here to be. Supposedly, Ted Phillips has no involvement in the football operation. If Ryan Phillips isn't the right football guy, then you get another football guy. But to say you need a football guy in between your football guy and you, I just I don't see that. I mean, you know, if Pace isn't the answer, replace him. But adding to him and just creating more uh, uh, possibly confusion and conversation in the front office, I don't see how that's going to make you a better football team. It's an interesting suggestion by Tim. Of course, we appreciate the call. I just think, yeah, kind of mostly what you said. If you're going to handle Ryan Pace with kid gloves for the next couple of years, then why not just don't waste the time and get rid of Ryan Pace now would be uh, my take on that. But um, I do get Bears fans in there, if not obsession, fascination, or, or kind of longing for a football guy only because – Above Ryan Pace, no one knows anything, and when you look elsewhere, uh, that's not necessarily the case. So I, I, I get how um, there could be some concern regarding the evaluation of your football guy by people who don't know the game, and I think that would be, uh, you know, ideally would be the reason to bring someone like that in. Uh, but I, I don't want him breathing over a lame duck GM's uh, back, and I certainly don't want to waste two more years uh, of Bears fans um, just for Bears fans. Period. That this team deserves a winner. Uh, they deserve to go out and compete for one every year. So, yeah, that part, uh, I don't like the idea of that. All right, folks, we are going to take a very quick break here, and we are going to change the subject. We will be back. More Bears talk, more NFL talk a little later in the program. But Matty Lee covers the Chicago Bears for, I'm sorry, the Chicago Cubs for NBC <laughs> Sports Chicago. Uh, spring training is rolling along now. We're going to get an update on your Chicago Cubs with Matty in just a moment right after these very quick commercial words. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 